Blog Talk Radio. And I am excited, excited, excited today. We have a very special guest on. Um, I'm excited because it gets to the real heart of our children today uh, from another country that we can appreciate within any country. You know, um, Jay and I always talk about kids. You know, Jay has lost his son as well, you know, and I have nieces and, you know, just we're role models to people in our communities and so forth. But that, you know, I don't like to say that doesn't mean much. But to be, though Jay and I are role models in our community, it, it, we're still not teachers, okay? We are still not teachers. And it's a big difference when you are a teacher who has to be with the children every day, uh, be their counselor, be their teacher. At least that's the way it used to be. And as our education system goes undergoes transformation because of technology and everything, sometimes that human touch that that child needs during that eight hours a day that the teacher has them, just like when we work as adults eight to nine hours a day, we're with those people more than we are with our families. We're bringing on someone who we feel is like one of the most amazing teachers brings us back to the way life used to be very simplistic so that we can use it as a way of unfolding in our lives as we grow older. Grow older. Um, he teaches a game of chess in a way that unfolds life. So we're going to bring him on. He's from another country, but before that, we're going to bring Jay on. And he is go- going to go into uh, some of the, today's news topics while I will be bringing that guest on. Would you hold on, please, for Mr. J. Logan? Mr. Logan. Hello, Logan. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to hear, you know, I just want to tell our audience a few things. Mr. Logan, as you know, released a song called Deja Vu, and he's going to be releasing his Sunrider Project soon. So we're really super excited about that. There would be more to come on that. So, Jay, you know, we're having this person that I haven't told the audience about, okay? And I wanted to know, while I'm bringing him online, if you would be so kind as to share with our audience, um, you know, today's topics. Would that be okay with you, Jay? Sure, that would be fine. Great, Jay. Thank you so much. And I'll be right back, everyone. Okay, some of the topics today are very interesting. Um, one of the things, what if you could get a master's degree for a mere $7,000? Wouldn't that be incredible? You know, because, you know, it's very hard for us, uh, our younger adults, uh, to go to school. You know, you know, prices range from $57,000, $43,000. This this can be rather expensive for a young person to try to you know, break through and um, and get a, a degree because it's very expensive now. And a lot of the institutions, you know, when you're getting charged, you're getting charged for other things other than just a degree. You know, like you know, they got to keep the lights on, you know, and keep the you know, they got to pay mortgages and all kinds. You know, college 
colleges have a lot of uh, other things that have to be paid for. So basically, um, there's a college called Georgia Tech. They may have discovered a whole new market, you know, for higher education. Um, uh, one that could change the way we think about, you know, the problems of college costs, you know, since college costs us so much, you know. Um, for example, um, you know, tuition for 30 credit masters in, in computer science from the University of Southern California runs like at $57,000, you know. So that's, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know if Gail has fifty-seven thousand. I sure don't have it. But um, <laughs> well, I speak for myself. I don't have fifty-seven thousand. But uh, and Sarah Cruz and John Hopkins and uh, a lot of the other colleges, um, you know, it's over forty-seven thousand, forty-seven to forty-three thousand for the same degree. So um, they have rolled out an online master in computer science in uh, two years ago, uh, two thousand fourteen. And um, the cost is, like, incredible. It's like, you know, online, it's like $7,000. Um, I just think that's great. Now, hopefully some of the other colleges can uh, look at Georgia Tech's, uh, what they're doing there, and um, have the same tuition fees and have these different uh, fees for some of the other uh, students that are attending those colleges, and maybe they won't have to pay as much, and maybe they don't have to be in debt because a lot of times – People get in debt, and they can't pay the college degree as they're trying to work a full-time job and live with all their living expenses. So if we can get these college uh, degrees down a little cheaper, um, it will it, really help. You know, Georgia Tech decided to do something different. You know, it, it, it charges online students the smallest amount necessary to cover its costs. Um, that turns out to be like $510 for a three-credit class. Um, for example, USC charges online students $5,535 for a three-credit uh, class, you know. And both programs uh, also charge small per-semester fees. Um, so that's one of the great things there. Um, maybe as technology gets better, um, these degrees will um, come down in price, Um it's because, you know, it, it, it's a challenge for, you know, kids to try to pay these bills off. I'm, an example, I have one of my friends, they have a master's degree, and they're still paying their master's degree, even to this day, and they're, um, they're not kids anymore. So it's very, very good that we're trying as a country, and maybe some of the other universities and colleges will try to, you know, down. So uh, some of the children and high school kids coming into these colleges can afford them. And that's what the goal is because, you know, education is very important. Um, moving on uh, to the next topic, uh, Facebook uh, reportedly wants to give free Internet to the U.S. Uh, the social network is in talks with government officials and wireless carriers about free basic basic services in the U.S. Um, uh you know, the social media giant is in talks with uh, a lot of our officials here, and they want to give these free basic services to millions of people in the U.S. Um, and this was reported Thursday, um, but they're moving cautiously, and they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, trying to do this and, and give free Internet to some of us that don't, that don't have it. So I have big ups to Facebook trying to do this because, you know, just basic, basic uh, Internet it's good. It provides limited numbers of Internet sites and services in free areas, you know, in the United States. Um, 
the services are already free and available in 36 other countries. So why not here, you know? So I give a, a hands-on to the other countries that have these free, Asia, Africa, and Latin America, and America could join uh, these basic services. I don't think that should be a big problem. It's not going to be everywhere, but, you know, in certain parts of the city, you should be able to receive these the basic, basic Internet services. So I'm, I'm in support of that. You know, I know there's a, a, another part of it, Facebook wants to get its product and its brand to everybody also, so it will help Facebook too. So you got to look at it at both sides. They're trying to get their thing out. But it will be great for these basic services to be around town, and um, I'm very happy that Facebook is uh, is, is, is doing what they do. Um, like I said, my hat's off to Mark Zuckerberg. Um, the next topic um, I want to get to is uh, talks about – uh, just a second here. My 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 teleprompter here. <laughs> okay, Rolling Stone magazine. Um, we want to talk about. It. First of all, I want to give a big ups in the music thing to the Rolling Stones band. Is releasing a new album, and they haven't released a new album in decades. Um. So I guess maybe you know Mick Jagger just woke up one morning and said, you know, um. I want to have a new album because uh, they don't really need a new album, but <laughs> they want a new album, I guess. So be look on the lookout for this Rolling Stones uh, album that's going to be coming out sometime soon. I don't know exactly when the date is. I'm excited. I'm a Rolling Stones fan, and uh, they haven't made an album for like 20 years plus. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what would it be like in today's market. Because uh, I wonder, are they going to do the older Rolling Stones stuff? Or are they going to come with something new? Or is it going to be relevant to what the young people like now? Or is it going to just, they're just going to bring back some old tracks that they did before? We don't know yet. uh, But I'm very excited about it. We'll see what Mick Jagger and the gang is going to do. And uh, again, hats off to Rolling Stone. Um, The other thing, um, uh, and the last thing I want to talk about is. Jay, uh, I'm sorry to in- Jay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we have Mr. Katende on the line. Okay. Well, before what we is- go into anything further, um, we are we have Mr. Katende for exactly 15 minutes right now, and we're super excited. Who is Mr. Katende? It's Robert Katende, the real life chess teacher, who's going to share with us what it is to be a teacher and in- and really connect with our students. He is portrayed in the movie Queen of Catway, which de- details the life of Fiona Mutesi and the teachings of Mr. Robert Katende. And this is the kind of teacher that Jay, uh, Jay Logan and I talk about all the time. Mr. Katende, please meet Jay Logan from San Francisco here in the States. Jay Logan, please meet Robert Katende. Yeah, thank you very much, Jeff, for uh, the connection and for reaching out to me. I'm so much honored. Well, we are quite honored. We have you live on the radio uh, with millions of people listening in. And, you know, Mr. Katende, um, Jay and I had this small, you know, the, I, I say small opportunity because I think the work that you do is just quite amazing. You know, Queen of Catway was a beautiful movie in that it wasn't another country going to go save another country. It was the country itself saving itself, okay? And the and the love of that. 
And, you know, as a teacher who teaches chess, I, I've watched a place where when you first start, if, if we can go in, we only have you for a short time, so if you would just uh, detail your answers to our questions so that we can get as much time with you and Mr. Katende as possible, okay? Um, That's fine, thank you. The, there was a place where you were telling the kids they didn't want to play that day. They didn't want to play chess. And there was a place where you were saying chess is like life. Okay, and would you say more about that, like the way you train your children to play chess is more like life to get them to start to learn it when they know nothing about chess? Please share a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, greet you all, whoever is listening in. Uh, my name is Robert Katendazi, I just heard. Yeah, definitely teaching chess to me has turned out to be my life call, and uh I'm just using chess as a platform for life empowerment and skills development. Chess is a metaphor for life. There is no doubt about that. And uh, it gives us a great opportunity to be able to develop the very vital skills we need in our daily lifestyle. There are many, many attributes uh, that we attain from chess. And these come automatically as you engage yourself in the play. Many times when students come to learn, uh, the only focus is on winning championships, winning trophies, and uh, and the like. But not everyone can be champion. Not everyone can win a trophy. But when chess as a platform for empowerment, everyone is a winner. And in the way, you all become successful, not only in chess, but in life. So with this, um, I would like to say, like, uh, there, are, there are so many things, like, uh, if I can cite, like, problem solving. Think of uh, decision making. Many times people find themselves in a critical situation and you don't even know what to, 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 to take on as a decision. And the, you, you come in interface with this in your life, but you've never had an opportunity where you have to develop this decision making skill. But when you get to, to play chess, you always find yourself in these situations that you, as you play. You're considering which move should I take, which one would be better. This one looks good. Let me try to look for a better one. So you try to weigh the, the risks and you try to calculate them and you see, if I take this move, will I be managing, will I be able to manage the risks involved in this? Because even in life, everything has advantages and disadvantages. But how do we train ourselves to making right and appropriate decisions at an opportune time? I think all these skills are attained from chess. And as you've said always, all this depends on the teacher. Because the teacher has to guide the learners on how best to integrate these concepts into their lifestyle. I know that Jay had a question for you as well, Mr. Katende. Yeah, I wanted to know, how did the uh, Chess Academy start? Yeah, the Chess Academy started way back in 2004 when I was teaching soccer in the slums uh, under sports outreach ministry. And uh, I came to find out that we were still struggling because we didn't have enough space even to use uh, for soccer in the slums. But many kids would come and always hang around, but they were not involved at all. So 
my whole question was, how will I get these kids involved? And I had to respect their interest because they didn't like to play soccer. Others were very feeble. Others were weak to play. Mm-hmm. And then by then, the girls, soccer was not a girls' game at all, according to our culture. So I had a chessboard when I was finishing my university. I was playing chess, so I had a chessboard, and I had actually kept it for over two years. I just wow. battled with the idea uh, come and introduce them to chess. So I just uh, told them, are you willing to learn a new game? None of them actually had ever heard of chess. So that's how simple it started with only one chess board. And as I speak right now, uh, I, the whole academy has spread up from one slum to five slums in Kampala to seven communities wow. in the northern part of the country. And it has now over 1,200 children involved. Wow. That's, that's great. You know, one of the things, I, I do hear the word, Jay and Mr. Katende, I hear the word slums, okay? You know, yes. um, why is it that in a lot of countries they call, I heard you say communities and slums. Can you tell our audience and explain to us why it's called slums and why it's called communities, why it's separate in, the, in, in a lot of countries? Yeah, uh, when it comes to slum, I believe there are slums in every country, even in the U.S. They are what? Oh, of course there are. Yeah. Oh, when when you refer to the slums uh, of U.S., they are it is, it's like paradise to us here in Uganda, uh, because the slums here are these are in most cases they are low-level countries with low water depots. In most cases, they are more like a swampy areas where no one would really advocate to stay if it was not by the forces or the circumstances they go through. No one desires to stay there for sure, but they just find themselves there. And the people in there are all majority. If not all, you'll find that they are all below poverty line. So it rains. The, the sharks are not on plan. Sometimes it's hard even to explain, especially to people who are in a different country, Kaka country, like maybe from the Western world, uh, it's unless you come and you connect and interpret and you get to this and you, you jump these trenches, it is sewage flowing over. Uh, when it rains, all the water goes and collects from down there. People experience floods whenever it rains. But they have no choice because they are, those are, that is the kind of level they can afford to stay I, in. You know, um, Jay, I just have one more question before you go. I just... The question I have is, you know, here it is you're teaching Fiona and all these other children. And what I loved about the way that you taught her and in the movie as well, and I don't know if that's true to life, but I believe that that it was done true to life, is that she went through being a teenager, you know, a teenager like anywhere in the world where she didn't want to listen to her mother, okay? And the importance of the mother coming to you as a teacher saying, you know, Mr. Katende, I hold you responsible for her having such an ego, um, and you as a teacher really taking the students on, not just Fiona, but being there for all the students. What can you share about you feeling the importance of the work you do as a teacher? Why is it important to you to really build the self-esteem of the children? Please share that with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Actually, here yeah, the focus. I know uh, one thing is very key that the focus is chess. Uh, that is the platform we use, but the focus is not only on chess. The focus is on an individual. The focus is on the child, and each child is treated as an individual because they have different uh, dynamics, different interests, different backgrounds, and they go through different challenges. 
But because I identify myself in them as well, because I grew up from the slum, that helps me in a way that I teach from a more experienced point of view because they are going through what I have ever gone through. But in this case, it's not just as a uh, as as a, the highlight. No, if you know, if you don't know, all HS is just a platform. But focusing on an individual, focusing on the child to see how do they become the best of what they can be. So if I I tell you that all the kids uh, that are referred to as pioneers. I've been with them for over 14 years now. They were kids. Those were nine years now. They are in 20s. They are, they are now sit on the same table and region. They are now, uh, you see the program spreading. They are the ones now teaching because they have turned out to be leaders currently. And others are getting professions in different fields. One of them, like Ivan, Ivan is now a physics and math teacher. And uh, when you look at Benjamin, Benjamin is joining his university next year. He wants to be a neurosurgeon. You look at Samuel, you look at Fiona, she wants to take law. So it's like, yes, we're using chess, but the question, chess is just giving us these key attributes to help us be successful in life. So you have to be there. You, you're more like a mentor. Chess, in fact, I always look at tournaments, winning championships as an added bonus. But the key factor is how do we get to be the best of what we can be? In life. Wow. Well, Jay, do you have a question also for, uh, for Mr. Katende? <clears throat> yes, I'm, I'm, I know he has to be proud, you know, be, um, Mr. Katende. I wanted to know about the clinic there that um, you and Fiona um, are, are helping other girls and other chess players and leaders from the community. Could you tell us a little bit about the clinic that you're running there um, from the, 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 the award that she, she got? Yes, uh, when it comes to the clinic, these are more like uh, events almost, but they mm-hmm. run for a week, whereby we go in uh, a region and then we try to mobilize, especially the girls. We've been able to do that through, uh, uh, we got a, a donation from, it was more like a grant, but it was basically for women empowerment that we mm-hmm. got in 2013 uh, when we went to speak in the Women in the World Conference in New York. So we received $25,000, and we've been using this vote to see how we empower other kids, talk about especially the girls, because you find out in, the, in these communities and the slum settings, all the girls by age of 13, they are already sexually active, and uh, they end up giving birth to their fellow kids. So we are trying wow. to go using this as a platform, because this is empowering them to own their own decisions. Chess is empowering them to be able to analyze a situation and make a right judgment. It is equipping them to realize their self-esteem. So we are just using chess as a platform to speak to their lives and focus them to that they have a future to live. They have a seed of excellence in them that they need to work upon to be that to see that they can be able to attain. Wow, that is well, so you know, wonderful. It is, Jay. It is. You know, Mr. Katende, this is our last question to you from both Jay and I. You know, I don't think sometimes our students in the Western world really appreciate on all economic levels and all ages the importance of going to school. And then unfortunately in what, you know, I don't say slum areas, but urban areas, I don't even like to look at where you are in Kampala as slum areas. I look at them as urban areas, all um we are all the same, okay? 
Um, and coming from that premise, what advice would you give to teachers and students, students, especially girl students here, who don't realize how lucky they are to be able to go to school free? But st- teachers are not being given the support they could have sometimes to teach the way you teach. What would you tell our systems here in the United States, Europe, and other places where they have the freedom to do that, but they're, you know, we have our governments here as well. I don't think it's just governments. I think it's just, you know, like the heads of our school systems. What would you tell the head of our school system here? As mm-hmm. of the things, dealing with the things that you deal with in Kampala, what advice would you give to them so that our students can do as well as your students are? Yeah, that is very true. And uh, I think sometimes it requires just so uh, information because, uh, I very much know in the U.S. schooling, schooling is free. When you look at your public schools, I know the private schools have a better setting in most cases, but your public schools are far much better than even our private schools. When I reach there, you see and you look at the infrastructure, it's all outstanding. Yeah, this is where now students and children would have to realize that having an opportunity is one thing and making good use of the opportunity is another. Now, that is the focus, that they, are, they have a life to live. Many times people take things for granted, but they should know that there are people out there, not only in Uganda, but elsewhere in the world as well, who are craving for this opportunity and they don't have it. So they should always do the, use the most of the opportunity they have, not take any. That's why you find there is a lot of issues which come in their way. Uh, managing challenges. If you come to uh, in the point of your call was ended because you no longer. Hello. Hello. Hey, girl. hi, Jay. I think hey. uh, we're still online. We're still live online, audience. I think we lost the connection with Mr. Katende, but we will have Mr. Katende back. I think it was amazing what he was sharing, don't you, Jake? Oh, yes, definitely, and, and, and he's definitely a special, special asset to the world community because what he's done is extraordinary. What he's done is beyond extraordinary. What he has done is beyond extraordinary. That's all I can say. It's, wow, it's, it's just uh it's just beyond extraordinary, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> basically, um, he's made something from almost nothing. Well, I don't want to say nothing, but he made something happen from it's an impossible feat. Because who would have thought that somebody could touch the world and from there, you know? And he was telling us about the infrastructure of the schools in his country compared to America. And it's just amazing that he was able to scream to the highest pitch of his voice to make change, and that's what I like. Yes, yes, make change in a country that has been riddled with war, has been riddled with so many things. Um, I'm just, I'm really proud of him, and I'm really proud of Fiona, and I'm really proud of the whole group. And what I want our audience to know, Jay, is that though this movie has come out and the, the um the the people who made the movie are making money. Um, the, as you heard him, they're still struggling, and it's not just 
a call out to the world so they can get more money. They are. Um, what got me was that he said he was at Women of the Women of the World Conference, Jay, and I was at the same <laughs> conference. Wow. And um, I, I'm just blown away, you know, that we get to have these amazing people on the on the radio. I am blown away, you know. Um, we will have him back, audience. It's just, uh, you know, you know, Jay is a parent. You know, before we go, I'd like to know what your thoughts are about this with teachers like him, because, they, you know, they, it, it almost feels like they're non-existent. I know that in Minnesota the teachers go at, to the homes and they're, they're with the children, okay? But, you know, it just, uh, it's amazing to me. I just want to know your thoughts, you know, having a teacher like him and you have children. What are your thoughts about this? Oh, teachers like him are, are, are rare to find. Um, you know, since just I, I, I think our country is under a, and this is my opinion, Gil. I think we're under an educational stress factor. And what I mean by that, there's not enough teachers uh, per kid, you know. So the teachers can't really have that personal thing. And they, it's hard to control a group of 35 and 40 kids in your class when you're just one teacher, you know. I think, you know, 2012. And then they can start affecting the lives of some of these kids and, you know, and deal with some of the things uh, that happens uh, in, uh, in, in class. But when you have 40 kids and 35 and 32 kids, some kids in the back of the class can't even see the chalkboard or they're not even paying attention. They're, they can't even focus or they, they can't even get involved because they're so far back and seated so far back and their focus are, is limited. So someone like him, he's wonderful, but he's, he goes directly to the source and attacks the problem. And, and without the resources that we have here, um, it's also not just the teacher's responsibility. It's also the stress that's on the village, uh, on the community. Um, the whole and, community and this is, is something – I'm sorry, I didn't yep. mean to interrupt. This is something no, that I ahead. must agree with you on because, um, you know, I deal with children every day, all right? And how, you know, I was just talking to a young man yesterday, and, you know, so I'm, I'm one of those lucky people that I'm on the train and I pass that community because I choose not to live there, okay? You know, and this mm-hmm. is another thing that people fail to understand. You know, Robert uh, Tatende lives in a community, um, and it's near the slums, but it's not in the slums. And people sometimes get mad at that, but... He has a child and maybe he's doing a little bit better and he doesn't want his child to be there because, like he said, he came from there, so he understands it. Now, the issue is he also, it's just like anyone else, you, you, you can go back to the community that you come from because you understand it. Now, as an example, I was on the train yesterday and a gentleman told me that he has a daughter. He walks her to school. And he's only in this neighborhood because he had to get an apartment quickly since the other building that he was in was closing down for renovation. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, he's going to be moving into his own home upstate New York, which is a very nice area. But here's the thing. While he's in this area, he's with his daughter, and he watched another man shoot another man in his community. Now, his community is not as bad, but it's still we have that anywhere in the world. Okay, we think it's only in refugee places or whatever. Our kids are seeing those things. You know, some teachers are very, are very scared to go in those neighborhoods 
where they were never a product of, okay, and teach those children. I think the thing that we see with Robert Katende is he is a product of the, the Kampala uh, urban areas, and he is able to go back and be with those kids in a way that is not scary for him, okay? I, w- I won't give away the movie, but I'll just say that in the movie you see that he goes back where all the kids are from. He teaches the kids in a place where they can identify with. And see, that's the important thing. I, uh, I was also at another place yesterday where a drama teacher brings drama back to the school, but she, she teaches mentally uh, challenged children, not, not mentally ill. She does that too, but children who've gone through trauma in their lives. She teaches them if they stomp their foot to, stamp, to clap their hand instead. Why? Because if they can do the opposite in that moment and their thought thinking, they will be able to deal with any trauma that comes their way, Jay, and continue on through whatever they were doing in that moment. So if they hear a gunshot, they will still keep, be able to keep going on in the class and, and writing in school, not get stopped by the gunshot. That's trauma we're talking about, okay? And Robert Katende does the same thing. He's teaching his kids to focus on the game. And one of the things I wanted to ask him about, Jay, there's, there's a place where he tells they don't know where to start on the board. So he says, here are the first two pieces. Where in life are you first starting? And there's a place where one of the students says, but things will never change. He said, this is your game board. Set it up the way that you want. And one of the students would always set it up where she would crush and surround her, her um, opponent and then crush them that way from the outside in. So if we would take that metaphor and we train our children to always not be strategic against other people, but strategic against their outside influences of what they're dealing with every day at home or what they're dealing with when someone's bullying them and the teachers aren't listening, or what they're dealing with when they go home and if you come from the most expensive home or the most, uh, you have all the money in the world, but your mom and dad are drunks and you can't talk to them. He's teaching them to understand life, that that is going on. You don't have to ignore it. You always have to go through it. We tend to tell our children to just ignore it, but it's still there. The elephant's still in the room. You have to teach your children to go through the experience. But they can also teach your children, and some parents can't if they're drinking. But somehow those teachers may see that, and this is to those teachers that may see that, or the parents that have children, that their children still see those kinds of things. You have to teach them to go through it and deal with it, but also realize those people are human and to go around it. That is what Robert Katende is teaching, Jay. He is teaching to surround and be, you know, have strategy in your life as a child, even for an adult. And you can still go around the situation, deal with the situation, and find the solution to the situation while you are growing whatever it is that you want to expand into in your life. Become a doctor, a lawyer. If you're an adult, you know, achieve some of the things you may need to achieve at work or a new job or whatever. And I think that is what I love about a teacher, teaching life lessons. That's what I learned, you know. So I, I don't know if that makes any sense to folks, but um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. Um, it, 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 it takes someone like him to, um, <laughs> to me, you know, we need more, te- basically we need more teachers like that, you know, 
that will go out, go to the next level, and 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 reach and and then reach, reach their hand out, you know, and say, hey, I'm here to help, opposed to uh, some of the other disciplinarian um, things that a lot of the teachers do with low no tolerance and all this stuff in the school. We actually need teachers to kind of, you know, work along with our students a little more because since I believe I believe you know, since the '90s. Since America has this no tolerance, and it was necessary because of uh, you know a lot of kids were bringing weapons and things to school. But what it what it did, it was good at the time, but now has alienated a lot of kids, and a lot of kids have different paths in education because they wasn't given a second chance, a third chance, or a teacher would come forth and take that kid under, uh, like Fenora, take the kid under his, his wing and kind of help that child. And when the child has other issues, economical issues, issues at home, issues with the community, issues with gang violence, all this stuff. Because um, everybody's different and everybody has a different scenario. So I agree with you, Bill. I think that um, uh, this teacher has done a great thing. And I hope that a lot of teachers will look at what he's done and follow his path. But it's just very hard in our country because we have all these other challenges. Yes, we're the greatest country in the world, and we have the best infrastructure and all that. But then in some cases, uh, I don't know. Jay, Jay, I don't we're, losing, Jay we're, losing, we're losing you into the phone. Can you speak more your thoughts a little louder so our audience can hear it? Well, I was basically saying, yes, we are the greatest country on earth, and we have all the infrastructure set in place, and we're spoiled. And I don't know if that's the best thing to be. When you see this Fenora come out of this, and now she's, you know, graduating, and she's doing great, and she was the chess champion. So maybe it's not just about having the best. Maybe it's about no, it putting isn't. your best effort. Maybe that's what it is. Yes. Because America – we, we don't teach our students that, though, Jay. We teach our students here in America. You see, um, you know, we talk about quality education, you know, education for all, you know, leave no one behind like we were t- you were talking about earlier, okay? And yet, you know, what here's what's interesting, Jay. This is what I the piece that what you just said I want to bring in to what you're saying. In the urban areas in Queen of Catway without giving it away, um she has d- the same things that our students in urban areas face here all over this country, all over South America and even in certain parts of Europe. Even Europe gives better education to their urban students in some areas. But in these areas that they have, and then also in refugee areas, these students going to school, they've got to deal with, especially girls who don't, it's not, the girls are not thought of enough to go to school. What ends up happening mm-hmm. is they have to, um, they could become prostitutes, they, or they have to stay home to take care of the families and things like that. And that's why country to country we have to look at, like you said, infrastructure. We have a great infrastructure here, yet what's interesting is sometimes women are still seen the same way, even though they have access to education. I was reading an article that stated that women have to be given, um, men do not, it's by design, it's by behavior. Men do not, when they're in the boardroom, if a woman is there, they don't really give her the, the space to speak, okay? She's cut off. Somewhere, some way, most often she's cut off in the boardroom, from, you know, from 
fully sharing what there is, even the CEOs that are women. That's something, you know, that's something to think about. Uh, I spoke to a man here. I said, you know, Trump or Hillary? He said, well, I'm not voting for Hillary because I don't trust women. Wow. Okay? So I'm not saying you should vote for Hillary. I'm not saying you should vote for Trump. But if you don't trust a man or you don't trust a woman, that gets in the way of seeing the overall scope of what they have. And this starts from children. Here it is in Africa. Why does it have to be that, um, well, we have to do this for girls? And why is it in this country we have to do this for girls? So although we have the biggest infrastructure in this country where girls and boys do go to school, why do we still have a need for women to exceed, to succeed? Sorry. And why do we have in another country the same thing that's being looked at? That goes to show you something from an education point of view that as advanced as Western civilization is, we're not. And right. the girls still deal with the same thing in our urban areas if they don't go to school, they end up pregnant. They end up in other areas. Same thing in Kampala, Uganda. They end up pregnant. They end up um, staying at home and birthing babies. Right. So there's something to be said about that scenario. We have an infrastructure here, but it's not working for the urban kids. We have an infrastructure in Kampala, but it's not working for the urban kids. So there it depends on how much money you have, whether the kids can go to school. And, you have to, and kids have to pay to go to school. As he said, here it is free, but it's still, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, that's, not, that's sad right there. <laughs> Maybe that brought a tear to my eye when I, when I hear that the opportunities are not there for the little girls. I have two girls, and um, they're people, everybody. They're not it's not male and female all the time. We are all people. It's partnership. Everybody should have. It's partnership. Right. Right. It's partnership. Have... It's partnership. Right. It's partnership between men and women. But we're. But you see, even you know, um, even my nieces, my brother didn't realize his own conditioning. You know, he believes they should be all they should be. But at the same time, you know, it's a it's a it's a delicate balance because I also have to tell women too. We don't need men to be women. What we need to do is just understand, you know, our biological makeup. And whether we like it or not, there is a certain biological makeup. I don't want a guy to be a woman. I still want a gentleman to hold the door for me, okay? But I think what there is is that if a woman is going for a certain career, she should be paid the same thing as a man in that career. It shouldn't, we, shouldn't even, we shouldn't even have to direct, differentiate, okay? Now, you know, I mean, this could go on. But anyway, Jay... I'm going to close here. I'm so grateful for our conversation this week. We will definitely have Mr. Katende back on. And, um, you know, we'll be putting this uh, this uh, podcast out for everyone to hear it, and we'll have Mr. Katende back on because he was unfortunately uh, disconnected. And we look forward to you, uh, Jay, seeing you next week and learning more about what you're doing with your music. And until then, Listen, Give, and Savoy wants to wish you an amazing weekend until next week. And, folks, we will be back next week. We've been, you know, based on our schedule, we do our best to have this show. Um, but we're, we're doing our best. So just, you know, work with us. <laughs> and thank you for always being with us. And we're going to leave with Mr. J. Logan and Software Sounds Deja Vu, which is on his upcoming premiere album, Sunrider Project. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jay. <laughs>